with all not your truth or kindness, Lord. With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. Well, it's been about a year in the making, but it's here. My very first podcast. My very first episode. Welcome. I'm not sure who God will bring to listen, but I'm hopeful that it's you or anyone else who wants to live their life noticing God. I'd like to give a special thank you to my family, friends, small group, extended family, and church family who have offered their support. Thank you for being part of my fan club. I hope you will also invite others to join our conversation. My prayer is that our time together will be well spent reflecting on relevant topics, biblical musings, and the sharing of stories from people just like you out on the streets, in the trenches, taking notice of God and how he notices us. So what about you? Do you feel noticed or do you feel invisible? Do you feel like no one is truly listening to you? Or do you find yourself grasping onto words of affirmation like a lifeline? Or maybe you secretly wish to be on stage or recognized in some way but it felt like no one really noticed. Truth be told, I've had an internal struggle with this my whole life. It's not easy to admit or even talk about out loud, but it's real. As I continue to struggle with this, I began to recognize that others struggle as well, but we resist talking about it. Perhaps we conclude that all this self-talk doesn't sound very Christian. Could we be feeding the struggle by ignoring it? It starts with the baby's cry. Toddlers seek it through temper tantrums, teenagers with rebellious overtones, and 20-somethings with budding accomplishments. As we mature, we tend to squelch this need because we don't want to appear selfish or self-promoting. Instead, we develop more sophisticated communication and negotiation skills to get noticed. And now with the onset of social media, this need for recognition appears even more prominent. After all, isn't going viral the new path to success? Craig Detweiler, an expert on faith and social media, serving as president of the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology states, quote, to me, so much of the crisis in our country and culture is rooted in the issues of identity. People are feeling unseen, unacknowledged and underrepresented, and they're desperately crying out to be noticed, affirmed, and loved. I see selfies as rooted in our deepest hunger, our greatest longing." Unquote. So if indeed we have this need, this longing, what does that say about us? Is it selfish or is it human? And how do we go about meeting this need? Let me start by sharing a few stories. First, there's Susan. 
Susan was raised in the racially tense streets of Detroit in a Polish Catholic low socioeconomic family with three older brothers. Her father was old school. Boys were definitely the jam, so she was often overlooked and ignored. But that wasn't the only reason. There were more serious issues in her family. Her dad, who had rheumatic fever as a child, was in and out of the hospital with heart problems after his first heart attack at age 26. Berger's disease also ate away his legs, amputating one below and one above the knee, leaving him in a wheelchair long before handicapped parking and toilets were readily available. Medical bills and struggles to keep employment contribute to financial insecurity. Handouts from churches and social services, well, they happened. Susan spent a good portion of her childhood feeling abandoned for hours in those green leather chairs in the VA hospital waiting rooms while her mom visited dad. When her dad died at age 10, she felt even more abandoned and even more confused as she overheard the manner in which he died. Well, single parenthood with these three teenage boys and a 10-year-old girl on a limited income proved to be very stressful for her mom. She wasn't always able to provide and being emotionally unhealthy herself was often verbally and physically abusive. In an attempt to have a father figure around, a few years later, an elderly man became a family friend and later sexually abused Susan. Anyone who has been abused feels unnoticed and unheard and she quickly recognized the world didn't pay much attention to her. Teased about her buck teeth and her weight made her take things personally. To her, others seemed more interested in the beautiful people. You know, the skinny girls, the celebrities or talented peoples, people. So she made a new friend, music, and she made a vow. Perhaps she could develop her musical talents and become a famous musician or star on stage, then she would get noticed. And what about Sharon? As a deaf child, Sharon had a tough life that wasn't limited to her dis hearing disabilities. Cognitively impaired, as a young child, she was abused by her birth parents who locked her in dog cages. Eventually, social services was alerted and she was taken out of the home and put into an orphanage. When she was eight, she was adopted by a couple in their 40s who seemed to want to help, but didn't always know how to make the right choices for her. For example, should they teach her to sign? Should they encourage her to be in community with others with learning disabilities or in a regular classroom? The couple were also emotionally unstable themselves and were screamers, raising their voices louder and louder, just so Sharon could hear. All the drama left her feeling extremely skittish. So pets became her best friends as social isolation and neglect fell in. She found herself involved with men who took advantage of her. The only thing she knew was to continue stalking them to get the attention she craved. Or what about the socially alienated young man who was found to have been demon-possessed from a young age? Truly, 
he felt overlooked and ignored. No fan club for him. That is, until a man, an extraordinary man, noticed him. This man, Jesus, spoke with authority and conviction and had the power to make the demons flee. After he was healed, the young man asked, Who is this man, and why did he take notice of me? If only I could spend some time with him. Instead, Jesus simply replied, Return home and tell others what God has done. Do any of these stories resonate with you? Maybe you find yourself performing to meet the standards of others or relentlessly seeking out others to pay attention to you. Maybe you subtly do things to get noticed and don't even realize that's why. Or maybe you're just tired of being tired and secretly wish that someone, anyone, would notice you. But what would that notice look like? What kind of notice are we looking for? According to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, being noticed actually feeds the psychological need of confidence. If indeed being noticed and affirmed builds our confidence, how far is too far? Mark Snowberger from Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary states, quote, Instead, these problems are symptomatic of a more serious one, the problem of celebrity. The desire for celebrity is, at its heart, the desire of a person to be frequented, to turn heads and command the notice of others. To become a celebrity is simply to succeed in being noticed regularly." Unquote. Everyone seems to want to be a celebrity these days. Social media cre creates a culture that entices us to want more and more attention. We take selfies, have our own websites, podcasts, blogs, and numerous social media accounts. Observing and comparing how many likes we have results in a preoccupation with finding our own real estate on the web. Are we even aware this need may be getting out of control? Are we letting it go to extremes? I want to be sure that everyone listening understands that this podcast isn't about encouraging narcissism or seeking that stardom. Instead, we are exploring this need for validation and affirmation. Just what does that look like? Let's talk about our definitions. When we validate someone, we are simply validating their experience. We aren't necessarily agreeing with them, but we are acknowledging their experience is real to them. When we feel validated, we feel heard. If we share something with someone and they try to talk us out of our feelings, we won't feel validated. Validation is an important need. The need to have someone share our life with is so important and is a primary motivation for marriage. But we need more. Just read any of the Psalms and you read about how David poured his heart out to God just to be heard. Affirmation takes it further. Affirmation acknowledges, but it does something a little different. It passes a favorable judgment. Affirmation is a positive opinion on someone or something. Someone might even call it encouragement. 
Or those who don't think they need to be noticed might feel like they're being patronized. But for purposes of this podcast, validation acknowledges, affirmation approves. If our first need is validation and we aren't validated, we start the search for affirmation or approval. Looking for this approval starts in childhood when we strive to meet our parents' approval. Then it's teachers, coaches, and peers. In essence, we build a fan club. Parents are usually the co-presidents and grandparents part of the board. Extended family, friends, and hopefully a church family become part of the club who help provide that validation and affirmation. However, not everyone in our fan club is capable of meeting those needs. Some of us don't even have a fan club and are still seeking our parents' approval. Left seeking validation and affirmation, we feel the deficit. Where do we go with this? Most Christians would say that the scriptures are the best place to start. Certainly, there are plenty of verses that validate us. One of the most popular is Psalm 139, which tells us, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You understand my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are aware of all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Shiloh, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle by the fire of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So could God actually know more about us than we know about ourselves? Yes, more than any other person could. God is with us 24-7, and he indeed invented our fan club. And it not only validates us, but affirms us. He also explains his pursuit of us in Psalm 23, verse 5, which reads, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. However, I discovered the root word for follow is actually pursue. So the verse would read, Surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. Have you ever realized God pursues you? Have you ever recognized his mercy as his affirmation? Let's talk about what happens in Exodus chapter 5, the tabernacle chapter. The tabernacle was the portable sanctuary used by the Israelites until the building of the temple in Jerusalem. Within the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant, the most sacred object, which was placed in the area called the Holy of Holies. Only the high priests could enter the Holy of Holies. On top of the Ark was a lid called the Mercy Seat. 
This is where God is seated to dispense mercy to man. The mercy seat concealed the people of God from the ever-condemning judgment. Each year, on the Day of Atonement, the High Priest enters the Holy of Holies and sprinkles blood on this mercy seat. Only through the offering of blood can violations of God's laws be covered. The Greek word for mercy seat in Hebrews 9.5 is hilasterion, which means propitiation. Propitiation explains that because of Christ's death and our faith in him, our sins are covered. Our shame is released. Righteousness is satisfied through the cross. Honestly, how can we get more noticed than that? So what would our look, lives look like if we embraced this mercy? If every time we felt that deficit or felt less than others, we didn't need validation or affirmation. And instead, remember that God's blood removed all judgment. That God's blood remo removed our need to perform or seek solace in the wrong places. Could we stop worrying about how everything relates to us? Or stop performing like Susan? Or stalking like Sharon? Perhaps we could be like the demon-possessed man that simply did as Jesus instructed and went home to tell everyone what God has done. This journey to live a merciful life is a process, and I'm grateful to come alongside you. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 4 states, To comfort others with the same comfort I have received from God. This is the essence of discipleship, to pass it on. I am so grateful that God brought people into my life that saw my brokenness as a temporary condition and introduced me to this mercy of God. His mercy allowed me to accept myself and look at myself through new eyes how it changed how I viewed others, and how it changed my focus. The determination to discover who I am actually resulted in discovering whose I am. I am more and more convinced that God has called me to share his message of mercy to all who will listen. And so that's why there's this podcast. That's why I write songs, lead small groups, teach Bible studies, speak, lay counsel and write articles in a soon-to-be-published book. Just like the demon-possessed man, I have to tell others just what God has done. So as we move forward, continue to join us. Continue to learn how God has noticed others. Our next episode in two weeks will feature a very special guest, my daughter Kristen. Kristen and I will talk about how music has helped her take notice of God and how God notices her through music. We'll also share the story of how the two of us came to write the theme music for this podcast. So I look forward to seeing you then. Until then, take notice.
Oh, a kindness, Lord. 